0: Hey, this is Dr. Mike Barnett. It is an awesome privilege to fill the pulpit every Sunday at the First Baptist Church of Ocean Springs, Mississippi. Having you listen to our messages on this podcast is an incredible blessing as well. And I pray that you will be encouraged in the Lord as you listen. It is vital that you commit yourself and your family to the Lord through the ministry of a local church. While it is a great blessing to have you listen to our messages no one will be able to minister the Word of God to you and your family like a local pastor. So please do not consider this podcast as a replacement for your presence in your local church on Sunday. Be faithful, get connected, and God bless. Thank you, choir and Jay. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 8. And today we will preach on the subject, the seedless soil, the seedless soil. Luke chapter 8 beginning with verse 4. If you uh, don't have a copy of the Word of God, you can use one of the Pew Bibles. It's on page 1,444. Luke chapter 8, if you're ready for the reading of God's word, say amen. amen. Now when a large crowd was coming together, and those from the various cities were journeying to him, he spoke by way of a parable. The sower went forth to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. And other seed fell on rock, and as soon as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. And other seed fell among thorns, and when the thorns grew up with it, they choked it out. And other seed fell into the good soil, and growing up, it produced a crop one hundred times as great. As he said these things, he would call out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples began questioning him as to what this parable meant. And he said, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. And those beside the road are those who have heard, Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they will not believe and be saved. And those on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation fall away. And the seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard and as they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of life and do not bear fruit. But the seed and the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. This is a well-known parable. It is also found in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 13 and also in the Gospel of Mark. Chapter 4, it has been called the mother of all parables because it is uh, the first one of its kind. When Jesus gave this parable, he was having a transition in ministry. He was going to follow the philosophy that basically says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, he would present the truth, and those with the heart open for God and who were wanting to hear from the Lord would hear it. And those who not, who did not, would not. It's a very interesting time in the ministry transition of Jesus. But that's for another sermon on another day. Um, this is the mother of all parables. If you can understand this parable, you can understand every parable. If you can get a hold of this one, then all the other parables will fall into place, every parable Jesus gave. If you want to develop a Bible lesson on this parable, uh, you could have a mini-series. If I were preaching a series of sermons on this parable, I would have um, a whole bunch of sermons. I'd preach a couple of sermons on the sower, and I would preach uh, several sermons on the seed, the Word of God. And then I would have many more sermons on the soils. You will notice that Jesus does something that he rarely does in his parables. He explains this one. He explains to us what it means. And still, some of those folks hearing him didn't get it. But his disciples said, tell us what it means. And to his disciples, he gave gave them the truth of this parable because they had ears to hear. They wanted the truth. And he explains it in detail. He says the seed is the word of God, verse 11. You know what that means in the Greek? It means the seed is the word of God. Pretty simple. And then the soils. He says they represent different people that hear the word of God, that hear the message of the gospel in particular. He says, uh, first of all, there's the the soil, the the seed that landed on hard ground. I call this the shut soil. It's ground is hard and the the seed does not get in to take root and uh, it lands on the top of the soil, cannot penetrate the, the ground and eventually the devil comes and takes it away. It is the... Shut soil. Many people like that today. Wouldn't you agree? They just don't want to hear it. They do hear it, but they don't want it, want it to take root. And then there is the shallow soil. This is the soil that's emotional and, and um, uh, for one reason or another will receive the Word of God and say, this is what I need, and, and it's an emotional acceptance and then all of a sudden they have no depth and repentance and they just uh, just don't go anywhere with it. And then there's the strangled soil. This is the, the person that will hear the gospel and hear the word of God and they are happy to receive it and they think it's a great thing and they, they say the right things and fill out the cards and uh, go only so far. But then all of a sudden life begins to happen and, and life not necessarily... A tragic life, but just normal life, and distractions come and they're choked out. And then there's the sensitive soil. I also call this the saved soil. Jesus called it the good soil. It hears the word of God, it responds, and is saved, and we know that it is good soil, and we know that it has saved because it produces fruit. It's an amazing thing. He gave four kinds of soil. And only one of them he would classify as receiving the, word, the gospel in order to be saved. You know, you produce fruit. Well, as I was considering this uh, text of Scripture, a memory came to mind from, I mean, probably uh, 20 years plus, uh, a long time ago, uh, when... Um, Chuck Kelly was the president of New Orleans Seminary. Uh, He made an observation about our culture. And he said, We are in a seedless generation. And uh, capping off that observation that Dr. Kelly made, an evangelist named Junior Hale, who I've heard preach many times, he preached in this pulpit before. preached a sermon about the generation that would not hear and does not hear the gospel. And that sermon came to mind and those truths came to mind. And so I wanted to apply some of that and make it my own and make it belong to First Baptist Church. But um, we live in a seedless generation. I call it the seedless soil The sower came and he sowed broadcast. He did not concern himself where the seed landed. He sowed the seed. He wasn't going to judge hearts. He wasn't going to say, oh, that guy will never be saved. I'm not going to waste my time with him. This one looks a little softer. I'll sow on him. And, of course, it didn't work out. But this one will work out. He didn't do that. He just sowed the seed. He just threw it out and planted the seed and let God take it where it could go and hopefully hearts would receive it. But I don't want to talk about these soils. I want to talk about the soil that received no seed. Which I'm going to show you something today that indicates that in the state of Mississippi, that is the vast majority, growing majority of souls will not receive the seed of the Word of God may never hear the gospel. But before I show you that, I want to ask you a question. Who sowed the seed of the Word of God in your heart? Who sowed the seed of the, of the Word of God into your heart? Maybe, if you're anything like me, it was your parents or maybe grandparents. I had godly parents. My father's still living. My mother's in heaven. They both love the Lord. My father serves and loves the Lord to this day. I had wonderful Christian grandparents. I had the best grandparents in the world. I love my grandparents. And uh, all of them are with the Lord right now. The most recent one died at 103 but parents and godly grandparents maybe. And they sold the seed of the Word of God. And they took you to church, a Bible-preaching church, where you heard the gospel. They protected you from influence that were contrary to the gospel. They watched what you wanted to watch. They listened to what you wanted to listen to. They guarded your ears and your heart so that the seed would not be stolen or corrupt in any way. And you had wonderful parents that shared the gospel with you. I thank God for my parents. I had old-fashioned parents. Not only did they share the gospel with me, they shared other things. You know, when I got in trouble at school, I got in trouble at home. Isn't that something? But that's not why, uh, that's not the gospel. The gospel is Christ, and that's who they taught me about. They taught me about Jesus. Maybe the seed was sown to you in church, a gospel-preaching church. Maybe you grew up in a little old country church somewhere or a small-town church such as ours or maybe a big city church. We have have wonderful people in our church who, uh, who have a vast background Some of you come from old-time country churches. Will Giger came from an old country church. The Cartwrights in our church, they came from the First Baptist Church of Oklahoma. I think that's where Randy came out of, if I'm not mistaken. And that's where Herschel Hobbs, the famous Southern Baptist pastor, big city church. But the gospel was preached. There's somebody in our church that came to me and said I grew up under the preaching of, of W.A. Crystal at First Baptist Dallas and I want to join your church. Boy, that made me feel good. The Gospel Preaching Church. Thank God for them. They're focused just keeping the main thing, the main thing and preaching the gospel. Aren't you glad for good, solid Bible preaching, gospel preaching churches? Man, I remember uh, and and I want to be that way. Amen. I want to be in a I want to have a pulpit that has as much Spit as it does fire. You may not know what that means, but I do, and I'm the one preaching, so that's what matters. You heard it in church. Maybe a faithful Sunday school teacher presented the gospel to you. Maybe maybe one day you marched in during vacation Bible school to that old hymn we sang today that I didn't know we were going to sing called Onward Christian Soldiers. Can you believe that? This is 2022. We're singing Onward Christian Soldiers. My goodness, something weird about us. But maybe in vacation Bible school, you walked in and, and you saw the slides. Remember that? These young people, they don't remember this, but I remember this. Beep, and then it would turn. Remember that? <laughs> and two cookies and a Dixie cup full of Kool-Aid and kids for four hours in one room. But you heard the gospel. And maybe you were saved in vacation Bible school. Maybe you were saved because you had Christian parents and the pastor came by your house one day when your mom and daddy called and said, uh, our child wants to come to Christ and we want to just shore some things up and talk to you about that. And that's the greatest thrill and joy of my ministry to be able to do that in people's homes. Maybe, maybe the seed was sown in your heart in school, in school. I thank God for Christian teachers and coaches and and, um, administrators who do everything they can these days to make sure there is some semblance of a witness for Christ. They got a hard time, folks. They got a hard time. But I thank God for them. When I was uh, being fetched up, though, I entered the fifth grade. I heard one preacher preaching about a testimony about fifth grade, and he said fifth grade was the best two years of my life. <laughs> well, I was in fifth grade one year, and I had a teacher. We, uh, we didn't switch classes like they do today, if I remember correctly. Uh, the only thing we went to was P.E. and lunch and recess and you know, but my fifth grade teacher was a, a lady by the name of Hall, Mrs. Hall, and she had a finger missing on on uh, her right hand. And but she'd raise that hand up when she wanted us to be quiet. And one day I was in sitting at my desk just like everybody else, and two men in coats and ties walked in. Strangers, I didn't know who they were. And Ms. Hall raised her hand like this and said, Class, we have two guests. They have a gift for you. And she introduced these two men to us. I don't remember their names. And they stood up and they said, We're Gideons. And we give every fifth grader in the nation a little New Testament, a red New Testament. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And in that particular class, they came and they all gave us a Bible. Every one of them, came to each desk and gave us a copy of the stand of God's Word. We got Gideons in our church. Stand, if you're a Gideon in our church, stand up. We got several. I know. Look at there. Amen. Thank God. I got one in the back there. I love the Gideons. And they gave us out these New Testaments. And I remember Miss Hall in school after we all got our New Testament, she says, would anybody like to read a, a verse out of, the, out of the New Testament you, you have? And she said, I want to read one. And I remember her reading John three sixteen to us. Now, I want to tell you something that happened. Now, I don't remember the names of those two men that came to our class. But I want to tell you what happened. I got on the bus that day to go home and I sat down next to one of my neighbors his name was Ken and I took that little New Testament out and I said look at your New Testament isn't that cool isn't that neat they came and gave us these and he said you know I've never seen this before one of these before well to make a long story short I took the the plan of salvation that was printed in the back of that Gideon, and I led my first person ever to Christ. School bus coming home. Isn't that something? I'd never I'd never led anybody Christ before, but and look, I reckon by now there's two Gideons in heaven who have a reward because they gave out a Bible. And there's a teacher named Miss Hall up in heaven who has a reward because she let it happen. And there's an administrator somewhere who let it happen. And there's a state government back then that let it happen. And some governor or some secretary of education, whatever they called it back then, is rewarded because there's a little boy of Japanese descent named Ken who got saved because somebody just took a little time So maybe in school you heard the gospel. Maybe the seed of the Word of God was sown into your heart because of culture. Uh, You know, um, I know that culture's never been perfect. Never has been. And um, people are people, and therefore cultures are cultures, and society society. I know it. I know there's always been sin. But folks, I want to tell you something. Our culture used to be have a lot more morality than it does now. I mean really. Our culture has gone the way of the devil and is heading that way every, more and more every day. You know, a lie used to be a bad thing. Now it's justified. Sexual immorality and fornication was shameful. Now it's common practice. People used to be held responsible for their actions. Now we, even our judicial system, in some cases makes uh, excuses for them. Not perfect, but it certainly was better than it is now. The moral code is gone. Right and wrong, the right is wrong and wrong is right. Uh, it's still interesting, and I, I hear it now. A few, uh, it's now few and far between, more so than it used to be. But I can remember people coming up to me and. And saying, you know, I remember in in town the churches would be open and you'd walk in any day of the week and there'd be passers-by stopping in to pray at the church. Now we have to lock them up or we'd be robbed blind. We'd be robbed blind. In my last church we had a break-in and those dudes took everything, even my baptizing waiters. They stole everything. You can't do that anymore in our culture but there was a semblance of right and wrong and morality and decency. There really was. Used to be uh, the the, the greatest thing, uh, the greatest show on television and the most popular show was the Andy Griffith show. But now, it's all kinds of stuff. I I don't even watch it. But in culture, you had this sense from the culture we lived in, that, that was, there was a right and there was a wrong. And maybe somehow uh, that convicted you or got you to thinking and you turned to the Bible and culture led you to the seed of the Word of God and brought it in your heart. Maybe, uh, maybe you're like a few folks I know who heard the gospel on radio or television ministry. I can remember growing up in my home church, we'd be in prayer meeting and somebody would raise their hand and say, let's pray this week for the Billy Graham crusade. It's on ABC, Monday through Friday this week. Remember those days? And so maybe some of you were saved by, by a television ministry or uh, uh, something to that extent. Maybe even today there's, you know, there's some great ministries out there still on television and Internet. So who sowed the seed in your heart? An individual, group of individuals. But you're sitting here today and you know Jesus as your Savior and you're saved and you're going to go to heaven when you die because somebody, somebody loved you to sow the seed of the gospel in your heart. Somebody loved you. But let's narrow it down. Let's let's do something different right now. Suppose, um, well, let me see. Uh, Macy Lee and Preston. Y'all stand up. I'm going to use y'all. Stand up. Two little girls in our church. They belong to Matt and Joy Goff. I want to tell you something about them real quick. You sit down. I don't mean to embarrass you. But they have godly parents who saw that the gospel was sown in their heart. All their lives been to a Bible-preaching church. I'm the only pastor they've ever known. School. They go to school with the other youth. Culture. They've grown up in a culture where they didn't get much gospel. But I know the home. I know the culture of their home. That overrides it. I'm not so sure they listen to television preachers. You don't have to. you got Dr. Mike. (laughs) But I want to tell you something, folks. They... And kids like them are in a minority now in the state of Mississippi. They're in a minority. So let's go over to Ocean Springs Hospital. Come with me. I'm going to go make a visit. One of the doctors called me and said, hey, come see this family. That often happens. And I said, okay. We're going to go up the third floor and there's a little boy born. His name is Billy. Let's just call him Billy. Little Billy. And let's ask the question, who's going to sow the seed of the gospel in little Billy's heart? Little Mississippi-born Billy. Where's he going to get the seed? Well, from his parents. Well, I don't know. Let me tell you some facts. One of these you've already heard, but the fastest growing religion in the state of Mississippi is none. N-O-N-E. That's the fastest growing religion in the state of Mississippi. It's not Islam. It's not Christianity anymore. It's not anything. It's nothing. That is it. Nothing. Nothing. In the past ten years, Mississippians claiming no religious preference... Increases the most within the state from 29.9% to 33.6%. 33.6% of Mississippians claim zero religion. That's how far it's climbed. In the state of Mississippi, one-third of the people believe that Jesus is the only way for salvation. One-third. One-third. You say well, that doesn't Hall with the numbers of the previous quote. Remember, they claim a religion doesn't mean they're saved, or they don't claim a religion. In the state of Mississippi, just one third believe that Jesus is the only way for salvation. The other two thirds disagree or have no opinion about that statement. So, two thirds of the people of the state of Mississippi say, "I have no opinion," or "I do not believe Jesus is the only way for salvation." A majority of people in the state of Mississippi are lost. They're not saved. They're not Christians. Only 38.5% of the citizens of the state of Mississippi agree with this statement. I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. 61.5% disagree with that statement or have no opinion. 61.5% of the citizens of the state of Mississippi When asked, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, either say, no, I don't believe you should or need to, or I have no opinion. The vast majority are lost. There's not a politician on the face of the earth who wouldn't want that number electing him. In in 2017, only 39% of Mississippians were active in a religious congregation or community. In 2021... Only 25.7% of Mississippians are active in a religious body, which can mean several things. So you can take that number and decrease it for active in a church, a Bible-preaching church. So you think little Billy going to be seated with the gospel at home? No, because more than likely, and there is a real likelihood his parents are lost and not saved and uh, they don't have it so they can't share it. They don't have it so they can't spread it to their children. So there is all likelihood, let me put it this way, it would be rare if little Billy will hear the gospel at home. It would be rare in the state of Mississippi. Do you think little Billy's going to be seated with the gospel at church? His family doesn't go to church. They're lost. They're not interested in church. They wouldn't know a Bible preaching church from an occult. Which tells me we got to get away from any mentality that says, this is the field of dreams, you build it, they'll come. They're not coming. They're not coming. And they're not commanded to come. They're commanded to hear and repent, and we're commanded to go to them. Do you think Billy going to hear it at church? No, his parents aren't going to bring him to church. Do you think little Billy will be seated with the gospel at school? If you think so, I have some oceanfront property in Arizona, real cheap. I'd like to sell you. Go ask a Gideon today. Are you allowed in schools? And some will say no. Others will say sometimes. And it doesn't take a statistician to know that ere long will be no in every place. Do you know... That because of the restrictions imposed upon our school districts, and I don't blame the administrators or the teachers, I thank God for godly Christian administrators and teachers and people who work in our school district. I thank God for them. They got a hard job. We need to pray for them. And we need to quit saying, I know what I would do. You don't know what you would do. But they do the best they can. And God gives them opportunity. They take it. But I want to tell you, because of these restrictions, that little red Bible, when they do get in, and I was told this by two of our Gideons, and and they gave me a brand new one. That plan of salvation I used to win old kin to the Lord is no longer printed in it. Now, that's not a good thing, but it's not a terrible thing. At least they're getting the Word of God. I mean, God can use it. But that organized plan of salvation that helped a little fifth grade boy win another fifth grade boy to Christ is omitted now because it just kind of eases the pain of getting into these schools. They're doing the best they can. I thank God for them. But I want to tell you what our first Baptist Gideons do. They're smart. They set up a table right off campus on the sidewalk and give out this Bible. Now what color is this? I don't know. Brown, maroon, something like that. Okay, look. They take this Bible and they give it out to kids as they're leaving the school and it has a plan of salvation. Our Gideons are smart, amen? It's all that good preaching they've been listening to. But anyway, I'm playing. My book, uh, Humility and How I Achieved, it's right out back. But anyway, so our FBCOS Gideons beat the devil at their own game because the plan of salvation is printed in addition to the text of the Bible in the back of the New Testaments, but not in the red ones anymore. If you got one with it, keep it and use it. They gave it to you for that purpose. So, more than likely, Billy will not be seated with the Word of God in school. Not today. What about culture? Maybe little Billy will be seated with the Word of God and and biblical values in our culture. Well, um, I don't think so. He's not going to turn on Andy Taylor taking Opie to church and then getting on the front porch and singing about the little white country church. He's not going to hear any of that. By the way, Andy Griffiths was a Moravian, knew the Lord. He was a Moravian. But I'll tell you what little Billy will do from the culture. Uh, He'll turn on uh, television and have a little sitcom that will give him one sex joke after another. And my generation laughed at those things, like homosexuality that was portrayed on TV, and today it's fully accepted. What a culture laughs at, it one day accepts. And so that's what little Billy's going to be taught by the culture. Social media will teach him that a man can be a woman because nature made a mistake in the body parts. And a woman could very well be a man, and you need to determine that on your own. Don't read the Bible, and certainly don't read your birth certificate. They got it wrong. And so that's what culture will say. And culture will say... And your pastor, old Doctor Mike, down there at that first battle, he's just an intolerant bigot. That's what culture will tell him today. It's all about sex. What time is it in America? It's sex o'clock in America. That's what it is. Well, Billy's not going to learn it in culture. He's going to learn about moral perversion. He's going to learn that uh, whatever makes him happy and satisfies him is what he needs to do and what he needs to be and you know that as well as I do you know I'll tell you something about our culture and I I started looking back and some notes I'd made and from time to time the funeral home will call me and say we have a family that does not have a local church a pastor and they they um uh Asked us to supply one. Can you come preach a funeral? And I do. I do. I've done that many times. And I, I, I try to do the best I can for them. I, I say, I'll, I'll come if you give me the number I want to call. And I'll call those people and I'll go to their home and, and make appointments with them. We've gotten members in our church through this work. But I want to share the gospel with them. And I go meet them and I talk to them about their loved one and... and uh, you know what's the most amazing thing? They say, well, how much do you charge? And I say, sir or ma'am, I don't charge a dime. Everything we've got is free. And they can't believe that. Well, doesn't it, it, hadn't church taken a turn when they don't believe that we're free? What we do for them is free, no cost. But um, used to, every time I'd have a funeral like that, during the, after the service at the graveside or whatever, used to, it was without fail. Somebody would come to me and say, thank you for sharing the gospel today. Our loved one didn't know the Lord, or our loved one this, or our loved one that, and I want to thank you for sharing the gospel. We've been in prayer for our family. Well, where do you live? Oh, we live way somewhere way off but thank you, they needed the gospel and you gave it and we're so grateful and please pray for them. That used to happen, I want to tell you, about 99.9% of the time and more than, most of the time it was an older person coming to me, an older person, an old Billy. But I want to tell you in the last five years that has dwindled down. And I want to say in the last two years, I can only think one time that happened. We live in an unseeded generation. Culture's not going to seed a little bit Billy. Well, what about this? Do you think Billy will turn on a YouTube or an Internet preacher or a television ministry? and hear the clear call of the cross and the gospel of Christ? Well, he could. I thank God for some good Bible preachers that are out there on on the internet and uh, the social media and on television. I thank God for them. But more than likely, he's going to hear a health and wealth gospel message that doesn't have an ounce of salvation in it and repentance in it. He might turn on the TV and hear some fellow say God wants to make you rich or God wants to make you healthy. And, but more than likely he won't hear that he has sinned and need God's forgiveness and needs to repent of his sin and can come to Christ and escape the wrath of God for his sin. He may know God loves him, but he won't hear that God is just and holy. and He won't hear that. I can remember when I was a kid growing up in our home and you'd turn on a television ministry and this is what you'd hear.
1: Salvation is of the Lord, the Bible says. If anyone desires wisdom, let him take his place in identification with Jesus Christ. What the world calls foolish, I'm resting my salvation on the cross of Christ, no matter what the world may think of him or of me. We're fools for Christ's sake, willing for the world to look at us as out of our minds, willing to be accounted as the very offscoring of the earth because we've turned to Christ. Are you one of the devil's fools? Are you willing to be a fool for Christ's sake? The Bible says in Proverbs 12, the way of a fool is right in his own eye. There is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Which road are you on? The narrow road that leads to eternal life or the broad road that leads to destruction? You have to make a choice. The Scripture says, Choose you this day whom you will serve.
0: You remember the hymn? be interesting to ask young people today, teenagers, if they knew who He was. More than likely today, the most popular television ministry is what little Billy will hear if he turns on the TV, and it'll be this. So I just want to encourage every one of us to realize when we obey God, we're not doing it for God. I mean, that's one way to look at it. We're doing it for ourselves
1: because God takes pleasure when we're happy. That's the thing that gives him the greatest joy this morning. So I want you to know this morning, just do good. For your own
0: self. Do good because God wants you to be happy. When you come to church, when you worship him, you're not doing it for God, really. You're doing it for yourself because that's what makes God happy. Amen. Let's open our heart to him today. Father. That's what they'd hear. You know, every time I do something like this, I know I take a risk of being criticized. Somebody's saying, Preacher, you ought not criticize other ministries like that. Well, let me tell you something. The heresy in that is so loaded, if you don't criticize that, something's wrong with you. You don't know your Bible. You need to get in the Word of God. Well, I won't tell you what. I'd rather be like old Billy Graham and just preach the gospel and, and let the chips fall where they may. So, Billy's not going to get it on television. So, what's going to happen to little Mississippi Billy? Of all these facts I've shared with you about the spiritual condition of our state, which includes our city and our county, what's going to happen to little Billy? Well, he will live his life unconvicted of sin. He'll live his life unconvicted of his sin. That's what he'll do. He'll never have the conviction of the Word of God to say, for all of sinned, including you, Billy. Also, he will live a life unrestrained. Unrestrained. He will have no conviction about sin, and sin will have its free course in his life. The only restraint he will have will be government and conscience, and his conscience will more and more cease to restrain him We saw this exemplified in our country last summer with all the riots in the streets. You know what that is? That was an unconvicted, unrestrained generation with no seed of the gospel in their life. Listen, conservative pundits can blame uh, federal prosecutors and state prosecutors and county prosecutors but I want to say this, before there was the absence of prosecution for their crimes, there was the absence of proclamation for their sin. There was the absence of the gospel. Now you say, well, little Billy lives in Mississippi now. This isn't this going to happen in Wiggins. He's not going to tear the streets up in Wiggins. He'll be shot. <laughs> well, you're probably right. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Uh, so he won't be guilty necessarily of illegal sins, but he'll be guilty of legal sins. He'll still have attitudes that are contrary to God. He'll still entertain his pride, fulfill his own lust in legal ways. In our culture, he might be um, in our culture he might be um, uh, uh, hooked on pornography by the time he gets out of high school. Um, He'll meet some girl and he'll live in fornication and then one day decide to get married and get mad at the preacher who won't do his wedding. So he'll commit legal sins and be unrestrained in those. He'll be unconvicted, unrestrained with no seed. And then little Billy will be unsaved and he'll die and go to hell without Christ and spend an eternity in hell. So if he won't get it at church because his parents won't go to church, he won't get it from his parents because his parents don't have the seed. He won't get it at school. He won't get it from culture. He won't get it from the television ministry. Where is he going to get it if he gets it? From you. Not us. You. You see how I went from the plural to the singular. I didn't say who's our mission. We're saying, who's your mission? That's where little Billy's going to get it. Because you know little Billy. Our young people, they know youth Billy. Our young adults, they know young adult Billy. You seniors, you know senior Billy. You know him. You know former workmate Billy. You know neighbor Billy. You know golf buddy Billy. You know hunting buddy Billy Billy. They need the seed of the word of God and you're the one to sow it. When Matthew began this parable, he said, consider the the, the parable of the sower. So if Billy's going to get the seed, it's going to be from you. Who is your Billy? Who is your mission? That's where they're going to get the seed today. That's where they're going to get the seed today. Let's stand for our song of appeal. Now as you're standing there, I want to give you this transition. Who's your Billy? And I want to extend the invitation first of all to your heart. Dear friend, can you Sow the seed of the gospel. Do you have it in your heart? Are you saved? And if you're not saved and you're not born again, and you're you're having this voice in your heart for lack of a better word, this unction, if you will, that says, You need Jesus. You need Jesus. You need to go to the cross. I want you in your heart right now to make a decision for Christ. Call upon Him right now and ask Him to save you from your sins so you don't die and go to hell. And then I'm going to ask you to make a commitment with your body. As we give this invitation, you come down here and say, Preacher, today I'm calling on the name of Christ for salvation. The gospel has been sown in my heart and I want to respond to it and be that that fourth soil. Dear Christian, in your heart, dear Christian, that's a loaded definition because as a Christian you know you need to be the sower. In your heart, are you burdened? Will you be burdened for at least one, one little Billy, youth Billy, young adult Billy, Grandpa Billy, Old Man Billy, Old Lady Billy, will you be burdened for at least one Billy and join your church family in this pursuit and get one of those cards and fill it out for us so we can be on mission together and help you and pray for you as you go after your Billy. Would you do that? In your heart you know that's what you must do. You know it. And I pray you would. That's the invitation. This is Cole Andrews, the family minister here at First Baptist Church Ocean Springs. I want to take a moment to say thank you for tuning into our podcasts and sermons today. We surely hope you have been blessed by the word of God. I'd like to encourage you to visit our website, fbcosms.com, to learn more about our church. We sure would love to see you in church on Sunday. May God bless you.